and welcome to this episode of Hustle and Pro. I'm your host, Kelly Walker, and today our guest is Nicholas Lemieux, and we are going to talk about something that's a new topic for us here. Um, it is marketing and e-commerce for pro athletes. So welcome to Hustle and Pro, Nicholas. Thanks for having me, Kelly. It's great to meet you. Thanks. You too. Um, we've only like kind of corresponded via email and stuff, so I'm excited to, to see you and know you and learn a lot about what you're up to and how you kind of got to that point. Um, so I guess let's start with, in your words, you know, I mentioned marketing and e-commerce for pro athletes, but in your words, what is it that you, that you focus on and that you do? Yeah, our company, Athlete Studio, we build a marketing technology and e-commerce platform for professional athletes. So athletes like Justin Jefferson, Jalen Hurts, Chase Claypool, um, Michael Parsons over there in Dallas, as well as now a lot of college and women athletes like Angel Reese use our technology to create their own branding and e-commerce websites so that they can sell custom merchandise to their fans. So we're, if you're familiar with Shopify or other yep. e-commerce content management systems, we're like that, but specifically for uh, athletes and their agents to help them automate the process of building a brand, but also the very tedious e-commerce and marketing tactics that you need to make the brand successful. Right. So tedious and e-commerce and these kind of words aren't always what athletes learn or focus on or the things that they know, right, in their sport. And so I feel that your background isn't as much on the sports side, but as the data side and the marketing side. So tell me what your, you know, your professional background is. And then also if you do have a sports athlete background or fan background. Yeah, of course. My, my background is in software engineering and data science. So I actually, before this, worked for two software startups in the Boston area. Okay. building uh, marketing software and data security software. So when I um, founded Athlete Studio, I had actually won $50,000 playing DraftKings with an algorithm that I used the ESPN database to create with the athletes. So what wow. I realized there is there's so much data out there, structured data available for athletes. And I saw the opportunity to not just, you know, build fantasy sports lineups, but actually automate the creation of websites, email newsletters, social media graphics, um, based on the data that we could pull from ESPN, social media, and other sources. So my love for sports definitely, you know, plays a role in the business. And our um, co-founder and president of the company, Chris Resto, he comes from more of a traditional agency uh, representation background. So the the two of I and other, our other two co-founders, Patrick and Connor, um, who I had worked with at prior startups, the four of us linked up and it was the perfect combination of having the sports experience, but bringing tech that is really at another level compared to what the athletes um, and agents are used to working with. And then my personal background from sports, I grew up, you know, playing just about every sport in, in uh, high school and college. I, I played rugby division three at Rochester Institute of Technology, which was okay which is awesome. And then now my main sport is snowboarding. Like I say, I live in Vermont with my wife now. So I snowboard 50, 60 days a year. So I still got, got a shot at going pro there. Maybe that's awesome. I like to tell myself that, I but mean, I mean, chance, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of revolved our life around that. So, so <laughs> we love sports. So it's, we're very grateful for the opportunity to work directly with our, you know, our heroes and represent 
them, their brand, the story, and, um, you know, really help them make a positive impact on their communities and create a, a brand that will go beyond the field. Um, so a lot of our athletes, you know, the logos we create, they'll license with big brands for their Air Jordan or, or another apparel deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it's a really rewarding job. And I love, I love being on the side of making athletes money, not making money off them when I was sports betting. Yeah. Well, now you get to work with them and all these big names. Um, all right. So you, you mentioned some of the athletes names off the top, which is quite a roster. Um, and so you've been at this since when 2016, 18? Yeah. 2016, we founded the company. Yep. Okay. So that's good. You've got, you've got really recognizable names for being on the young side of this. Um, so tell me, let's talk about some of the success stories. I mean, some of these are newer names, Angel Reese. Like, I mean, I, I just started hearing about her at the last, uh, women's final four. Right. And so I might be late to the game, but, but there are some, um, that I'm more familiar with than others. You mentioned our Dallas Cowboy, Micah Parsons. Of course, I'm familiar with him here being two miles from the Dallas oh, yeah. Cowboys world headquarters. But, um, what are some of the success stories that you've already seen with some of these guys and ladies? I think one of the most proud moments of the company was that Angel Reese generated more in sales in one day than uh, the W number one WNBA draft pick makes in a year. So that really goes to show a shift in the NIL laws and how that's affecting athletes. But I think also women's sports as well, um, because if an athlete like that has demand to drive like that type of merchandise sales, I think only naturally over the next three, four or five years, you'll see the salary of all the athletes in the league elevating. Um, because do you think that's a driver. I mean, do you think proving what you're proving um, will indirectly change the way those leagues have to respond to their athletes? I think it will give the agents more leverage in their negotiations. Maybe not, um, you know, the rookie contracts like the NFL are kind of, you're stuck with what you get and, and where you're drafted for X amount of years. But now that, you know, Angel and, and her agent have numbers that show the economic impact they make to a team, it's going to give them a lot more leverage come time when they are negotiating their contracts. So that um, there is is a huge, I think, just shift in the perspective of women's sports. And, and I think um, LSU and the beef between Caitlin Clark and what they created was, uh, was incredible for drawing new interest. And Angel's become one of the biggest stars across all, all college athletes and um, LSU, especially, you know, their athletes are crushing it on the NIL front. So it's incredible to be, get to be a part of that and help um, really set an example with Angel that other other athletes can follow. So what about like, like some football guys like Jalen Hurts and Micah Parsons, what kind of things do you focus on for those guys? For the, the football players, it's really fun because you need to establish a baseline for the brand. So Micah, um, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Hurts, they all have their core logo or, or slogan that they go by. So Micah's, his nickname is Humble Beast. Jalen, his, his uh, tagline is breed of one and Justin Jefferson, you know, infamously has the gritty dance. So you kind of start with what's core to them. And then as the season progresses, um, we build around the 
incredible moments that happen during the season. So that's really a multiplier when it comes to sales and branding and their overall uh, growth of their audience and community. When Justin Jefferson had his catch of the year, fourth and 18, um, you know, the Vikings came back in the largest comeback in NFL history. That is something if this all happened on that day and we hadn't had Justin's brand already built and launched and established, yeah. we wouldn't have been able to help him capitalize on that. The brand, you'd be chasing like the thing for people to connect to him with, right? Like that. And cha chasing part. down the athlete, chasing down the agent when they're getting blown up by every media news net network. So because we have those close relationships, you know, we can send him concepts that day, new design concepts. Um, we'll like usually get quick approval from the agents and then we can start adding new apparel design uh, promotion to his website to um, build around that moment. In Justin's case, the catch of the year. So it's, it's really interesting how, yeah, you have to be ready for those. And same idea when Angel won the national championship. Um, and then after that, I think she was featured on the I Am Athlete podcast wearing her merch. So those are huge inflection points in sales as, as they are their careers. So we build a really good relationship, really, you know, get good reps, just building a brand marketing, working with the athletes and agents. And then when we have those opportunities to capitalize, um, we're ready to go and we can flip the switch and yeah. really help them, you know, make a good amount of sales. And move quick. You do have to have, you have to capitalize on the timing and the hot because there's the next thing right the next yeah. is going to break in the next season or even, i mean with all the sports going on there's there's very possibly the next thing that people can then quickly pivot how big is your team that you have to be able to have that much like to be that nimble our team is 24 full-time people across uh us I, I told you a lot of our team is based on the west coast um and then we have a design team of seven people um and the whole team, the whole team is incredible. They're all, they're all world-class at what they do. So it's, uh, it's like taking, you know, the time it takes to build a brand and all this infrastructure for an enterprise brand, but we can do it in just a couple of days. And, you know, for any athlete, big or small. You don't just work with athletes, right? Do you also work with programs or schools or, you know, groups as well? Yeah, we have a few enterprise clients through, um, uh, NBA teams and the enter the NBA teams license our software uh, mainly for the loyalty and the di digital collectible side of the platform. So we have launched in arena campaigns with Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, the NBA um, directly through the NBA All Star Game, where they'll put a QR code on the jumbotron for a digital collectible redemption, kind of like a proof of attendance for that specific venue to show I was at the NBA Paris game. I was at the um, NBA uh, all-star game. And then oftentimes they'll um, couple this with some type of reward. Like you'll get $10 to the Portland Trailblazers uh, pro shop. And uh, so they're using digital collectibles or NFTs, digital collectibles, the more customer friendly term um, for lead generation and getting driving email um, capture and engagement, digital engagement with fans in in arena. So we're piloting it with a couple NBA teams right now, but looking to work with more um, brands like Dick Sporting Goods and 
other NFL, NBA, uh, professional sports teams in the United States. Is digital collectible equal to an NFT? Just a different way to say it? Or is there actually something different about it? Is it the same thing? Yeah, yeah. It's a fact, it is an NFT. Um, okay. It's a, it's a non-fudgeable token minted on a blockchain. Um, just we learned very quickly, like especially in the sports world, that the term um, turns people off. Yeah. And we want a more mainstream um, kind of palatable product. What NFTs are great for are loyalty programs and stuff like proof in attendance or proof that you know you got one of 500 specific t-shirts. It's a, a digital receipt that you know can't be replicated essentially. So we think there's a lot of value in it. We just don't think the approach is like there was in the NFT boom, like mm -hmm. trying to just put an athlete's NIL on like a JPEG and then sell it for, yeah. you know, thousands of dollars. We think that the technology from um, just the authenticity and collectability standpoint is really, um, really effective. But the way we package it is um, through packs. So you get to open a pack and reveal an item just like, you know, I would rip a pack of Pokemon cards when I was a kid. So oh. it's. It's uh, more focused, I think, on, you know, the user experience and kind of mainstream than um, a lot of, than like the NFT community and crypto community, which is different. And that's where we've, why we've been able to have success with it. Yeah. I feel like the digital collectible term and just the, the, the experience of that has like this, the, the old school nostalgia feel because you want to have something that you're collecting in the series or you're looking for something or whatever and something you can hold on to and and look at and share with others, but that it's the digital side is just like makes sense because almost everything we do now is digital. We just had a here in um, Frisco at the star, uh, a collectibles place just opened up. And it's interesting how you have to kind of merge that old and the new with sports fans so that all ages can get into it because it's not just older people who have cards. Um, it's, you know, the younger generation they, they might have cards too, but they understand the digital side of it and, and like crave that piece of it and want to get into that. Right. Yeah. Cause they want the custom skin on Fortnite or rocket league or the video games that they're playing. And I think that that's a, there is kind of a, a gap there that we're trying to bridge between the traditional collectors. And I mean, physical trading cards and memorabilia is, is at a, all-time high is still very popular yeah. um but then on the digital side i don't think that resonates as well with the younger audience they're more um following the athletes directly and would rather have a selfie or a shout out for an athlete than maybe their trading card so it's um it's really interesting when you're marketing and we we see more and more of our customers increasingly um youth and parents buying products for their uh for their children who are fans, huge fans of these athletes. Yeah. So you kind of got to walk the, you know, try to find a way to make both happy. And that's, um, I think through the digital collectibles, we're finding a way to do that effectively. Yeah. I mean, everything you mentioned, the examples is like exactly me as a parent. I have a 12 year old boy upstairs that is likely playing with like a custom Fortnite skin or all the things. And he loves, <laughs> loves Micah Parsons, of course, but like yeah. Jalen Hurts and um, Justin Jefferson are like his favorite guys. And so anything, like anything that he can consume, whether it's in, in real, in person or digital and his gaming or whatever, 
um, it's that's how they are attracted to these, you know, experiencing and um, like engaging with these athletes, even if it's digitally. So yeah, this is like an emerging space, I feel like, right? I mean, we said 2016, but um, how, like how long, like how old is this? How this concept, how long has this been going on? Our perspective is, um, and where we come from, it used to be there's a couple athletes who are big enough to where it would be worth it for an agent to invest in their personal brands, Air Jordan, um, uh, TB12, and kind of spin it out. And those companies used to be uh, agencies, not necessarily technology platforms like us. So what we're coming in to do is um, not focus on the top 1% of athletes who, you know, get seven figure deals thrown at them from every apparel brand, but build a technology that's accessible to the 180,000 plus uh, division one athletes. Um, knowing that all of those out of those division one athletes, you know, 10,000 of them are going to play professionally and we'll have that relationship with them by the time that they go pro. So it's, we're not trying to negotiate with them after they're, they become a superstar. Um, so that space has been largely dominated by agencies who don't have um, in-house technology. They might be using Shopify or WordPress or another content management system if yeah, they- Outsourcing um, that piece. To yeah. Buying that piece from someone else and they're not building it uniquely. Like Exactly. And then there's, there's other platforms that aren't athlete specific, like, um, you know, like Patreon or spring tea that sell, uh, creators or sell merchandise stores, but predominantly for, um, content creators where we've got the business model and marketing, um, templates just really, really locked in for our customers. So the way we see it is we've got a little over a hundred athletes on the platform now out of 180,000 ultimately that we want to reach. So we're still very early on in the process. And the way that we get there without kind of scaling like an agency is doubling down on our um, AI and marketing automation. So eventually we want to get to a point where any athlete could text the athlete studio AI, give them some ideas for a logo, spit back a logo, they approve the logo, set up their website, and then send them marketing graphics to um, to launch within yeah. a couple hours. So, so that that's where the process and discovery like could could be automated or you know streamlined so that your team doesn't have to scale as fast as your roster. Exactly. So where our goal is to grow from a hundred to a thousand athletes without adding another person to the team. Wow. Um, and we're, we're very close uh, to doing that. And largely also because of our relationship with Rochester Institute of Technology, um, that's my alma mater. They're the one of the top desi graphic design schools in the country. So we've got a program with them where we, we jokingly call it our farm system, where yeah. our designers come in, they from day one get experience building social media branding assets for world-class athletes. And then I think by the end of the time they're co-op with us, they've, you know, done five times of the amount of work that they've done their entire college career. So we've uh, really doubled down on that program with RIT and it's been, they're an investor in the company okay. and um, that's how we've really scaled the creative side while we that's build out. Cool, I mean, the that's technology. a really cool approach that you don't hear all the time, building, building your farm system of your, 
of your, you know, workers through the local um, in, like university, um, or is it a university, um, but college that that is also has skin in the game for you to be successful? Yeah, it's, it's, I think, been our secret sauce, especially on how we're delivering, you know, top agency T or creative for just the offensive lineman on a, you know, on a good college team, like we're able to scale uh, the quality and our production output um, at a really impressive rate. So it's, uh, I love it. And then I love, um, again, seeing students come in and, and get to contribute to real world projects right away. They're not just working for like a local business where they, you know, write a blog and put together a marketing campaign. It's like day one, you're, you know, Micah Parsons might be posting your design on his Instagram channel. So that's that's really cool experience for college students, because I I still remember, you know, the mock advertising competition marketing things, and it's all like real brands, but you know, it's not real life use of, of those things or the study is sort of made up, you know, made up numbers and figures and data and nobody's ever going to see it. So for those students to have the experience to actually like, you know, they're, you know, published, whatever, um, their work is out there. Yep. Real life athletes is awesome. Um, do you ever get to, have you ever been to Frisco with Micah as a client? I, I've never been to Texas actually. No, I've been, I actually wanted to come down for the, well, you, I saw you were at the messy game too, which was, so, tell me about that experience. Oh. That's <laughs> I'm still like on a, on a high from it. And we're, we're only a couple of days away after it, but um, it was amazing. It was, I, I had a lot of like anxious buildup getting to it because I was so excited and like, just wanted it all to go so well um, personally, because soccer is really like a big deal in my family. My husband mm-hmm. and I met playing soccer and he still plays and my son plays. And so we've been at that stadium for 10, 12 years watching FC Dallas play. And so personally, it was just like a really fun fan thing. Um, and professionally, it was important. I got to go and cover it as media. And then also as my job, as I market the city of Frisco and our sports team. I mean, it was just like all angles. It was fielding media and being on the media side and being there as a fan and my family. Like it was a lot, like a lot. And it was everything I could have even like Yes, you know, he started, he played, of course, the whole game. He played mm-hmm. amazing, he scored. We saw all these goals. We saw eight goals in regular time. We saw then penalties. Like, it was just a lot, and it was wonderful. Yeah, it was a great experience. That, that's that's incredible. 12-year-old, and- I was like, lock this night into your little brain, your sports brain memory, because this was amazing. Oh, I know. I, I could imagine. Yeah, right. That's I think back to even like the first, you know, big league home run I saw and it, whatever it was, Jim Tomey, the Cleveland Indians, it wasn't, but I just remember how uh, significant that was. So that's incredible. They get to, they get to experience that. And I mean, yeah. Dallas had, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I would say, and then you had the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz fight in town this weekend too. So <laughs> it was weekend and, and Post Malone was here uh concert. And so there was a lot. And but then football then, starts next week. It's awesome. Yeah. Somebody had just asked, like, what's your favorite sports memory? As we were all, everything was leading up to the messy game. Um, and so it was like ALCS, Rangers beating the Yankees here in Arlington. And then one of our college games. Um, I was at Texas Tech. Um, well, I went back. I was there when Cliff Kingsbury was there as, as a student. But then we went back and watched 
a, a well-known Michael Crabtree game is what we call it. You, you probably don't follow like Big 12 football, but um, but those Which, were on my list. And so we instantly, I instantly got to put another one up there after Sunday night. Wait, that was the game with Sherman? Uh, the the Tech. Mike, the Michael, oh no, it was a college game with yeah. Crabtree. Texas Tech, Tech, University of Texas. Okay. College. I thought you were talking about the NFC championship game with Richard Sherman. <laughs> nope, rewind, um, rewind a little bit from that. Yeah. 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 I was a, I was a big cliff fan. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. So, oh, yeah. so I was, I was rooting for him over there. Same. Yeah. But, I liked him. I've, I, yeah. Always liked him. Yeah. Um, so yes. Well, cool. It's been fun to talk to you. I know we could probably talk about all the sports things even longer, but I, you know, I haven't had these like marketing specific sports conversations very often. So I love it. So I appreciate your time and um, just kind of the updates on what you have going on over there. So thank you. It was great to meet you, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. And thank right. you to the audience for uh, tuning in on YouTube and watching or listening on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at hustle underscore and underscore pro to get the latest on what's going on with hustle and pro.